The Full Exposure Podcast is made possible by Metro Health, University of Michigan Health, and Dr. Peter Hahn in appreciation for the contributions that artists and creative minds provide to our community. Arts and culture are essential to a rich and rewarding life, strengthening our overall well-being and our appreciation of all that we see, hear, and experience. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome to another edition of Full Exposure with me, your host, Brian Kelly. Hey, it's awesome to have Metro Health, University of Michigan Health, and Dr. Peter Hahn kicking us off uh, on the intro there. I had some people ask me uh, the last week or two um, since we announced this uh, very special partnership that I have with Metro Health University, Michigan Health. And they said, you know, who's Dr. Peter Hahn? And that's a great question. And I'll just take a minute to uh, tell you about him. He's the uh, CEO of Metro Health University, Michigan Health here in Grand Rapids. He's an innovative um, CEO. He's a, a physician. It's very rare for a, um, a hospital system to have a CEO that is a doctor, which means a whole bunch of benefits come along with that, aside from just being a, a, a brilliant administrator. He definitely knows what it takes and has dedicated his life to the improvement of health um, for patients and for people at Metro Health University, Michigan Health, but also a broader look at the community. And there's lots of things besides healthcare that make a community better. And um, one of those is supporting the arts and cool initiatives and... Um, uh, and just things in the community that uh, Metro Health and University of Michigan Health wanted to align themselves with. And here I am. I'm so um, thrilled that they um, are supporting this podcast, this multimedia podcast. And so that's just a little bit more about uh, Dr. Peter Hahn. And um, we're just grateful for Metro Health and uh, I'm excited for the year to come. Hey, let's talk about this week's guest. It is this is a great episode. I, I know uh, every episode, you know, hosts say this is a great episode, but this is a great episode. Willie the Kid is uh, from Grand Rapids. He's had an amazing trajectory in his life, and um, this conversation is inspiring. Uh, Will Jackson is known professionally as Willie the Kid. He's an American rapper, songwriter, storyteller, film producer, serial entrepreneur, and tech investor from right here in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And Will represents Grand Rapids harder than most artists, you know, especially artists that go off and find success in their hometowns, and then they go off to achieve even greater success nationally and internationally. Uh, but Willie the Kid uh, is someone who never forgot Grand Rapids is pouring a ton of his time and investment and entrepreneurial efforts in back into the city of Grand Rapids. Um, he's a busy entrepreneur. He just launched a spirits company called Motu VJ. You may recall an episode with Super Dre, uh, Andrea Wallace, that uh, we talked with her. She's a partner in that business. Um, and GRUSA is an apparel and outerwear company that's uh, really growing quickly. But all of these business efforts, the thing that I so admire about Willie the Kid is all these business efforts are inspired by his hometown and his desire for all races, nationalities, cultural and different ideological backgrounds to lift up one, each other and support one another. And even so, the, the Moto VJ is a Latin term. It's the seal of the city or the slogan for the city of Grand Rapids, and it means strength and movement. And he and his business partners have taken that idea of strength in movement and applied it to their whole business platform, their branding, it is super cool. And if that's not enough, Will also keeps a base of operations in Atlanta, Georgia, where he attended Clark Atlanta University. It's a historically black college that helped to sharpen his internal compass and vision. And um, this conversation is going to get you inspired. I, I truly had a great time with Will in the studio. We made some really cool portraits, and that just led to a really great conversation. Hey, have you guys checked out the FullExposurePodcast.com website yet? It is an enriching podcasting experience. On each dedicated episode page, you can see a gallery of portraits that I shot of each guest just before we sat down and had our conversation. There's also a gallery of video excerpts. These are just nice little appetizing nuggets that you can see in two, three, five-minute video clips that give a snapshot of just one little part of our conversation. 
So please check out fullexposurepodcast.com. Okay, it's time to do this. Let's explore the bigger picture with my guest and my new friend, Willie the Kid. set up in the mixer right <laughs> i mean nope. this is this is 400 bucks out of the box you know i'm like no i'm gonna tell you i'll this. sell it to you if i am jealous it's because this is where the inspiration starts <laughs> this setup right here that means you're inspired man this is how i started making music on something this looks nice very nice you know what I'm saying? yeah the setup i had was terrible we used to record in the bathroom with a with a handheld mic with a church sock wrapped around it you know really yeah what what kind of sock? Like a dress sock. Oh, a tr- oh, a church sock. Yeah, yeah. I hate those. I threw all those out. I, I had a whole drawer for yeah, these uh, dress, dress socks. socks. Oh, yeah. they're yeah. the worst. Now. We used to see because this this was our like you see the the popper yeah. stomper here. So the church yep. sock was very similar to that. <laughs> well, these yeah. are so cheap too. And I think when I uh, when I was looking at this, the, the the you know the sleeve that actually goes on top. Mm-hmm. It was another. They wanted another thirty bucks for each of them. I was like, I'll just see how these go. It's in the kit. It's in the kit. We'll yep. just see what happens. That's it. That's it. Um, so I think we're rolling, buddy. Oh, okay. Let's go. Let's go, Willie the Let's Kid. Um, thanks for doing this. Uh, just amazing that uh, how things have fallen. That Absolutely. you're here yeah. and. Uh, cool. In town for long enough to uh, to do this because you're uh, you're hustling around the country. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit, like I uh, just in full disclosure, we had Super Dre on. He's she's a business partner. I want to go into that later though, but that's yep. just kind of the the how I became aware of you because I told you in a meeting the other day that I was like I'm not really in the in the music game like uh, what's out there all the time. <laughs> so uh, I didn't yeah. know I immediately knew you were very successful with music, but you were off my radar just mm-hmm. from I don't know why. But uh, <laughs> it, it, yeah, I've corrected that quickly. <laughs> I and I, I really like your music, but tell me a little bit more. Uh, you rep Grand Rapids really hard. Absolutely. And tell me a little bit more. Oh, where'd you come up? In town and um, you know high school, like uh, yeah, yeah. I, I lived all over the city. That's why I, um, I know a lot of people. A lot of people know me. Um, when I was born, my parents they uh, they lived on the same block. Like so, both of my grandmothers lived on the same street. They lived on Lafayette, but my mother's mother stayed on uh, across Highland, yeah. <laughs> going towards downtown. And yeah. then my my father's mother stayed across Highland going towards the other way. Um, so that block, I knew everybody there, and then we moved from that block to uh, to Umatilla. So it's all southeast side of Grand Rapids. Yeah. And we moved on that block, you know, that's the Madison and Hall area over there. Yeah. So my grandmother's sister lived next door from her. <clears throat> um, I live right off a of Hall. Yeah. More not near Ottawa Hills. For, for sure. sure. Yeah. So, and I had family up and down that block on both my mother's side and my father's side. Then we left there and moved to Kentwood. We lived in Camelot. My parents got their first apartment. <laughs> and then we moved from Kentwood back into the city. And I grew up like in the Garfield Park area. Yeah. Of Madison, that area around there. What'd your parents um, do? Well, my mother worked for Social Security. Um, and then my father, he worked um, shipping and receiving, things like that. Yeah. Industrial work, things yeah. like that. He was like one of the youngest managers at the plants out here. Um, when he was real young. And then eventually, I went to college down in Atlanta, and they followed me down there. <laughs> Your parents are down there; they're still yeah. together and everything. Oh yeah, nice. Oh, yeah, <clears throat> yeah they're still together. So, um, yeah. So you gra- you ended up graduating from Ottawa Hills High mm-hmm. School. Mm-hmm. And when did you start making music? Um, I've been making music since before high school. I was making music since I was a kid around here. You know? In the bathroom, oh, right? With the, the church socks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been making music for a while. Church socks and. and uh, making makeshift studios, you know what I mean? Turning yeah. the closet into a you know a booth and doing things like that. And uh, it was cassettes then, of course. So we was making our own demo tapes and trying to shop them. Me and my friend went to New York and we we looked at the back of the CDs to get the addresses for the record labels. <laughs> and you just showed up. <laughs> we just right? showed up, and we and we even spent a lot of money uh, on payphones. We was we don't know. We were calling the labels because we would get the we would get the address, get the name. Then call information and get a phone number, and then call the the number 
and say, hey, this such and such records, you know, I'm gonna be the kid, you know, I wanna bring my music over, and you know, things like that. We didn't know, we were kids, man, but right. that was our approach. And we was in New York and we wrote down the addresses and um Did you get any meetings? No. Oh, yeah, that was I, I wasn't. That I was. I was learning though. Yeah, I was learning. But the hustle was there early on. <clears throat> Absolutely. Just like you know, and there's something nice school. about that naivete because I had it too early mm-hmm. in my career. I didn't know anything. I'm gonna tell you, it helps you get the kinks out. For you real. Know? Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, sure. It's, 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 it's a great dress rehearsal for the real. When the real show comes around, you've already done this a hundred times. So I kind of I developed what I did learn was uh, how the business works as far as. Um, Packaging yourself and marketing and presenting, I learned a lot of stuff with that, you know, yeah. along the way. So when it was actual time to really do it, you know, I was pretty much ready to make it happen. When you first started making music, though, like what was your uh, was there a particular artist that you were like uh, really inspired by or were emulating at the time? Yeah, definitely. Um, I was a big Wu Tang fan. Yeah, I wanted to do everything. Yeah, the, the look and sound and have the attitude that they have. Yeah, huge Wu Tang fan, but. Um, the artist that helped me develop myself as an artist was Nas. Yeah. Um, we were just saying, Mark and I were, when we were setting up, it's like, there's so many things I heard in your music that were callbacks. Not, not It's all your own stuff. Mm-hmm. But the vibe, they, like, I heard everything from, oh, even like a, a Mad Lib and Dilla and like so mm-hmm. how you sample and the, the hooks and stuff yeah. uh, are in there. Even like uh, there's, and it varies track to track. It isn't one thing, but like, um, you know, there's some Biggie, I felt oh, yeah. in there. You know, it's all, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I'm a student of all that music, all yeah. that, all that mid 90s, late 90s hip hop. I'm definitely a student of that era. And I, and I, I mentioned Nas, but I also got to mention like Jay Z. I got to mention like, uh, like Mob Deep, even like Outkast. And, yeah. And, you know, just all that 90s so, stuff. Yeah, Tribe Called Quest, all that, like all that. Like, yeah. I'm a student of all of that. I think what Nas did was he helped me to um, find my voice in music. You know, I, I grew up on the southeast side of town. A lot of things were going on, um, a lot of challenges for my community during that time. And it's like still what? Hard, but, I, mean, I mean, like we can all guess, but sure. what, do you, what kind of pressures did you feel coming up that you related? A lot of my friends, like and my cousins as well, a lot of them had to find their way. And, and so did I. But I mean, they had, they maybe didn't have a lot of options. You know, yeah. they had limited, limited outlets. They had to, make, had to make their way at a young age. They had to grow up fast. You know, yeah. I, I have a son now. He's 11 years old. And I tell him all the time, man, we grew up a lot faster than you guys have to. And I thank God for that. But we had to make a lot of decisions at a young age that these kids today, that's not even a thing for them to even think about. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But in saying that, I was trying to find a way to make music that reflected that um, without without compromising authenticity. You know what I mean? I, want, yeah. I didn't want to say uh, I'm so in this situation where I'm not have to do these things. and you know, I, don't, I didn't want to propose a lifestyle that wasn't mine. You know what I'm saying? But I, yeah. did, but I did feel obligated to tell that story. And speak right. on those conditions and those situations. Well, there's the there's the tropes in rap where everything gets bigger and larger, and you can make up your own stories and narratives. You you know you can do that anything as a writer. You can sure. create anything, but mm-hmm. but you felt like you had a central guiding sort of principle around being authentic to For your sure. own story. And I felt like I, I had the ability, had a unique uh, gift to articulate Mm-hmm. The situations, whether I was experiencing it firsthand, secondhand, or just knew about it, yeah. I felt like I had a gift to to be able to speak about our experience to people who may not, you know, be familiar with mm-hmm. the experience. Sometimes it's not about <clears throat> the message itself; it's about how the message is being conveyed. And I felt like I had a talent to tell our story and talk about what we, how we feel, and you know, but I had to find out how to do it. And that's what Nas helped me out. He said he 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 spoke from a kid looking out of his window, and this mm-hmm. is what I see out in, yeah. my, in my neighborhood, as opposed to saying, hey, I was doing these certain things, you know what I'm saying? So to stay true, I just figured out, okay, I can, I, me and my cousin, he, we may walk different paths, it may be different than mine, but I can tell his story, you know? Yeah, right. And his story is important. And then I, and I, and then midway through his story, I can start to tell mine too. Yeah. And then you now you can see what's going on in our neighborhood. As everybody knows, Grand Rapids is not a hub for music, no. you know, especially not hip hop. Right. It, Unless it, you're the barges. Yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> Whatever, back and, in the day. And, and that's back in the day, and that's a unique situation. And they all situation. left because there's nothing here to support. Exactly. Like ongoing thing. And that's not a complaint. Yeah. It's more of an actuality that I found opportunity in. 
you know, I can tell this story that no one's ever told before. Yeah. You know, I right. can relay these ideas and say, hey, we're here. Look at us. You know, yeah. we have something to say as well. And I capitalized on that opportunity. Uh, not that I relate uh, directly. I, I don't relate directly to what you're saying, but there is a, a modality to speaking very, very regional, very specific to your, to your, your geographic district, mm -hmm. which, you know, Compton comes up that way yeah. and just, you know, all the different parts of Brooklyn Absolutely. and all that stuff. Yeah. But a similar thing happened. That's why I'm bringing it up. But is, uh, uh, when I was first starting out in photography, I was in this photography class and, um, I was shooting a lot of cityscapes of the, of Grand Rapids and no one had really shot the city at night in black and white, kind yeah. of how I was experimenting with photography. And somebody said to me, I never forgot it, but it's like, uh, he was speaking to the class, not to me, but he's like, you can make Grand Rapids our own. Like, why can't we make Grand Rapids as famous as uh, a lot of <laughs> images by Ansel Adams or other great uh -huh. uh, photographers that are, you know, yeah. it's like, it starts with the creation, mm -hmm. the creative of it. And then the audience becomes familiar with it. Right. So. That's the whole concept behind GRUSA. Yeah. That actually mirrors my well, approach. Well, tell me, to yeah, I know all about it, but tell me, tell us what GRUSA is, is a branch of your yeah, clothing label, mm -hmm. apparel. It's the premier uh, merchandising and clothing apparel brand out of Grand Rapids, out of our city. Um, for a long time, you know, I always felt like we needed representation, and I made that one of my priorities when I make my music. And, um, I used to do videos and photo shoots, and I would go get custom pieces made, T-shirts, hats, sweaters, yep. and I will put Grand Rapids concepts on them, or I will put Grand Rapids on them. Yeah. And um, like one of my first, well, my first video uh, through my major release, uh, I had a T-shirt on, and it had a bunch of streets on the southeast side on the shirt, you know, all these blocks, Kalamazoo, yeah. Wealthy, Eastern, yeah. Burton, da, 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 just random streets from our neighborhood. Right. And it was it was like it was navy. It was like, um, it was yellow, so it was supposed to be play, a playoff of U of M and, yeah. and, you know, this whole thing. Michigan, tying in Michigan exactly. as a state. Exactly. And then um, everybody kept saying... And green doesn't look as good on other... I, did, I, I went on and do... I did a green one next. Yeah. I did that, but I just started there. You know? I was sort and of slamming on Michigan the Spartans, state. Nah, but, but nah, my nah. daughter goes to See, Michigan, so I've become me. a... I send too much <clears> money that way, so I have to be a fan. I'm a big, huge fan of Michigan. That's an interesting thing, let me tell you. And I'm probably the only person that feels this way. You know where, we, where we're from, it's either state or it's your You know how it goes. I feel like, and, and please, everybody, don't throw tomatoes at me. When I leave out of Michigan, like out of Grand Rapids, I leave out of this area, I have to have to represent both. And they may sound oh, like, I'm, sure. I may sound like just a complete traitor by saying that to each other, but I wear state and I wear U of M when I'm away from Michigan because it's I'm... A, no, well, it's a, it's a good business move because... How to do it. Because the alumni associations alone, how many... There's are hundreds and hundreds of thousands of graduates of each of those. Exactly. And if you alienate one Come or on, both, man. it's like... Come on, man. That's not all, smart. We're know? all about... Uh, that's what I learned about you real quick is you're real business-minded. For sure. Yeah. For sure. I have to make sure I'm speaking to everybody. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? But, um, yeah, so I was just making those pieces, and my friends kept saying, yo, what can I get that? Is that, is that the clothing line? And I kept saying, nah, this is just, you know, I'm just doing it for me. So uh, my business partner, Jonathan Jokes, he said, all right, enough of the, <laughs> the novelties. Right. We need to package this and sell this to people, you know what I mean? And how long ago did that start? It seems like a pretty fresh brand, but it's taken uh, hold real quick. Yeah, we started in 2015. Um, that's when, we, that's when we, we started putting it together. And then we launched the website, I think it's 2016, and um, we've been rolling ever since then. Yeah, it looks great. And uh, you see all kinds of people wearing it, too. Mm -hmm. it, isn't just, uh, it isn't just kids. It isn't just, uh, you know, there's occasionally we wanna, some... We want, we want to represent our landscape out here, our cultural yeah. landscape. What do we look like in Grand Rapids? You know, well, all kinds of people, all kinds <laughs> of walks of life and demographics. We want everybody to get in on it. And I picked up on, uh, I was reading the About page of, of the GRUSA website. Mm -hmm. And um, it talks about being fashion the common thread for all of us. It isn't about just one culture, mm -hmm. one one age group or demographic. Mm -hmm. It's it's the common thread. So can you speak a little bit more about that philosophy about sure. how to unite people through, sure. through one thing your brand? I, one thing I know about everybody, whether you, you're a young African-American or you're an older Hispanic or you're a middle-aged white person, it doesn't matter who you are, 
if you're from this city, what one what, what what one thing do we all have in common? We all love this city. Yeah. You know, and I knew that was a way to unify people. You know, if we put out something that we can all gravitate to and say, hey, you know, I stand by that. Yeah. GR USA is a pride thing. It's all yeah. about pride. Yeah. It's all about saying, hey, this is our town. We are planting. That's why you put flags on the hats and things. We're planting our flag. Yeah. And, it's, and where I really love to see it go is when people outside of Michigan, we have an online store, of course, when they buy it. And I look at, I go and I look at the sales and there's people you know, in Hawaii and Texas and Florida and all these places. I'm like, okay, that's somebody from Grand Rapids who no longer lives in Grand Rapids right. and they want to represent the city. Yeah, they're still proud of it. They're still, still proud of proud it. proud of when they came. And they're still proud of it. And, it, and it's so much so, um, in all humility, I have to say this, but we sort of charged the city and made the city embrace city pride. Yeah. It wasn't here before us. I remember getting, getting off Especially the airplane. Especially when you, you know... Uh, Racially, we're very segregated, unfortunately, like a lot of urban. We're mm-hmm. not unlike, we have the same challenges of any urban city. Sure. Uh, I'm not picking on Grand Rapids, but there's a lot more that needs to happen to make sure that we Definitely. have more cross-pollination of all communities, all economic sides. And what I'm hearing, too, what I really, really relate to or wish would happen is that the way that your apparel brand is uniting people just in pride mm-hmm. is that the extension of that is that we all have a mutual interest in each other's success. That's it. And if I can invest and wear something that instead of buying something at Target and I buy a GRUSA, mm-hmm. it helps that. It establishes uh, local economy. Lo- local economy. Yeah. But also, it uh, when you see, uh, you told me there was a pretty pretty well known um, business guy in town uh, who's wearing your hat, and he asked, "What do you ask? If it's okay if he wears it? <laughs> is, is it? Can I wear this? Is it okay?" Like he asked us for, for permission because the culture differences, like, yeah. and we want to make it abundantly clear. But we that- make assumptions, so I think you know, in, he wasn't being. Uh, he, he was actually being, he was honoring honoring it, but in a way that uh, he wanted to be respectful. He's been respectful. Yeah. But, it, but I think the, the, the greatest thing about it was it gave us a chance to dialogue. Yeah. And to talk about it, you know. Like, yeah. Absolutely, you can wear it. Please yeah. wear it. You know, yeah. it's, GRUSA, is it, it's, it's, not, it's not a black thing. It's not a white thing. It's not an old thing. It's not a young thing. It's not yeah. a rich or a poor thing. It's a Grand Rapids thing. Yeah. So if you're from Grand Rapids or not and you have love for the city, you're more than welcome. You know, please support it. Well, I'm buying some. <laughs> I appreciate <laughs> it. Uh, we're working on an um, actual flagship store for next year. So nice. we're going to get a location and break a mortar spot and people can come by. And we'll, make well, that it helps. Up. That also just brings more brand identity to it. Absolutely. Just, uh, it, it becomes... It's good for our town. So we're not really online shopping people quite. Like, yeah. I, I discovered that. Like, when we have physical... Hats, physical hats and physical locations, uh-huh. they go quick. Yeah. But online, it's sort of like, okay. Well, even if you do a limited yeah. event or a pop-up shop or something, For I'm sure. sure you create some some urgency around getting the product when it's we, there. We, in always, space. we always sell out. And I just and I split hairs to see the difference between one way or the next, you know. We, yeah. drop, we drop a line, we drop a new rollout. We always sell out really quickly. But I know when I get them in the stores, it's going to be more accessible to the people. And yeah. you'll get people just walking down the block and just see it like, oh, whoa, and just run in there and get it, as yeah. opposed to getting their credit card out and, yeah, yeah. you know, doing the whole thing. Well, online. But, yeah, just connecting the folks, man, as long as we can do that. Well, that's just one of your businesses and efforts with your partners, but I, I want to go back to the music for a second. Sure. So is when you were coming up, you had these influences, you started to write, you started to find a uh, kind of a compass through Nas's influence to really um, hone your storytelling. Mm-hmm. And then when did you finally start, not finally, but when did you start to put music down that you could, you know, market mm-hmm. and sell? And how, how, take me through that evolution so when because I was, you're, you're just a kid. Yeah. So when I was coming up, we were making, uh, we'd go to studios, local studios around me and my friends. And we would pay like 20 bucks an hour to record in these studios. So everybody paid like five bucks, you know, some kids, man. <laughs> yeah. I'm talking about like, you know, 15 years old, 14 years old. And we'd record and, um, and go back and listen to the music. We'd do local shows around here. We'd perform live wherever people were. We're at Gus Macker downtown. Everybody, you know, yeah. compete and battle rap with each other. You know, it, the community was alive with hip hop for us coming up. Like, yeah. and we, were, we were trying to make sure we stayed in the forefront of that. But when I went to college, um, I met some guys down there, uh, my friend Don Cannon, my friend DJ Drama, my friend DJ Sense, and they were DJs. 
They were older than me, but they had more of a presence in the music community there as DJs. Yeah, they've been around just, for a while. We went around for a while, a few years. And I'm, and I'm a young guy, just excited from Grand Rapids, wide eye. I want to, yeah. I want to be a rapper, you know. But of course, I had to focus on my studies and you know responsibilities and take care of things. But there, I got into these circles and met people to where I could start making music on a professional level. Mm-hmm. And um, we did. Did you that. have anybody help me produce you locally at the early early start? Like. Different producers that make beats and stuff like that. We would connect well, with like them. Well, like who shepherded you through the recording sessions? It was you just had an engineer there? It's me and my friends. It's me yeah. and my, friends. Yeah. I mean, my older brother signed the recording contract in 1999. He worked with the Wu Tang Clan, and um, like just watching him do things, I, I learned a lot. But as far as me, like pursuing my dream to be yeah. an artist, I did it on my own. Yeah. As far as how, like how, like what, I, what I want to do and how I want to do it. You know, mm-hmm. I picked up on things from watching my brother, and I picked up on things from watching other professional yeah. recording artists. But it was me and my friends that I went to school with. We would go to the studio and just, you know, figure this thing out. Yeah. And I would spend countless hours at home writing music, writing music. That's what I did. Like I had a drawer in my bedroom full of loose leaf papers with, yeah. with raps on fronts and backs. I took all yeah. my socks out and put it. In a different drawer, and no had, more church socks. N- right, <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing was full of loose leaf like papers with rhymes on them. So yeah. I've I've put countless hours into yeah, you know years Back into to the, developing I, this. Really sorry to to interrupt there, but sure. the, uh, when you were writing, did you have a routine, a creative routine, when you were just like getting ideas down, as finding scraps kid, of papers? As a kid, this versus maybe how you might do it now. Mm-hmm. Now everything is on a smartphone. So I put everything either on a voice note or yeah. in the notes on my phone. But back then it was all about having notebooks. Yeah. And if I have a notebook, I write on chewing gum wrappers. I write on sure. a brown paper bag. I write on, you know, yeah. anything that was around. I take it, write a receipt. Yeah. I write on the back of it. But no particular process. I would just wait on inspiration. And I'm yeah. still like that now. Like, right. now it's crazy. Like, now I need to be inspired. I can't just go in and just start making music. I need, something needs to happen. I need to see something. I need to hear mm-hmm. something. I need to feel something. I need something to, to, to move me. And I can always Is just create. Usually, uh, I'm just curious if it's, are those generally good or positive or negative experiences that seem to catapult you the most? Both. 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 It, it, it just has to have an impact. Yeah. You know, I, I need something. I need to feel. It's intense something. enough that you need to channel it. It need to channel it. Good, bad, lukewarm, whatever it may be. Right. I need to feel something. I need. It need to make. It need to drive me to do it. And a lot of the times, it could even just be the beat. You know, yeah. like some of my producer friends, they'll send me some music, and I'll play the beat. Like, ooh, when I hear the beat, the song just comes together. I, yeah, it's from. It's, it's divine it's from God. It's divine. I don't even. I don't even think anymore. I let it just come to me like. It's kind of it's kind of like that's zen. amazing. Yeah, that it's can zen just right now. Flow through. Yeah, that's when you know when you sort of feel weightless and time doesn't. Um, you lose sort of the the concept of hours passing, and you, you exactly. look up at the clock, and six hours have gone by. Right. And you're still, right. That that's a cool place when you can when you can channel some that. Of my, some of my best favorite lauded work things that I did in like thirty minutes wrote those songs in thirty yeah. minutes. You know, and these are complex mechanical. <laughs> songs that we putting together. Well, there so. was um, I just heard a couple of stories like that. One was um, one of the most important uh, comedy bits that Ellen DeGeneres ever wrote came to her in like a fifteen minute writing session, mm. and then she went on Johnny Carson with a late in the Tonight Show, mm. and then her career changed because uh, of that. And then there's other examples of you know every from the, you know where they wrote a song and and it came in five minutes. Yep. Yep. And there's just something because divine. It, there is there something was, divine about that. It is. It's definitely divine. There's there's natural inspiration. That's all it is. If you really feel it, then it's going to be real. Mm-hmm. It's no like you said. It's weightless. It's effortless. You put it together pretty quickly. Yeah. Well, in listening to your music, what I like about it a lot is these. Uh, and I was telling you or during our photo shoot that uh, you know I li- I like the. I like these hooks, you know, like I, I can't, there's a lot of music I can't get into just, it's a little bit harder just for me. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not a, I'm not qualifying it good or bad. Just what I like is there's an access point and there's these hooks. It's very, you just want to move and then you lay these uh, stories on top of it. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing, but it does have all this, uh, some callbacks, some retro that, and just the way you feel when you listen to your music, it's, um, it's special, man. I like appreciate it, that. It's yeah. it, and 
a lot of times you listen to local music and stuff and you go, well, <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe next year they'll be around. Maybe they won't. And it's the same, you know, yeah. it's not to, uh, you know, you sort of expect a drop in like a local sort of thing. Well, it's not this or that. And I, and I'm no aficionado of, of music and rap and hip hop, but it feels, it feels in that, that importance. It feels important. And it sounds important, yeah, and it, it sounds on a on a level that's international, you yeah. know, with Kendrick and some other stuff. Yeah, and, absolutely. You know, it's absolutely. In I spent so. a lot of time getting it that way, refining yeah. it. You know. Well, you so. look at my photography 15 years ago; it's not that great. Exactly. You know, I mean, you just exactly. keep grinding and trying to get exactly. better every day. I've, I've pinned myself, you know, pinned myself against myself all the time. You know. That's it, right? Yeah, against myself. Like this has to be better yeah. than the last. It has to, and I know me. I'm I'm a serious serious music critic, serious food critic. Like I'm I'm a, I'm a critic, you know, to the, to a fault. Yeah. So if I like it, you know, yeah. It's good. Like it has it has to I have to prove it first. <laughs> yeah, right. If I like it it's good. Trust me. Cuz you're going to have to perform it. Exactly. And you're going to have to live with it the rest of your exactly, life. Exactly, exactly. So trust yeah, me it's that's, good if I like it's it. a high bar to get out mm-hmm. uh out into the world. Absolutely. What uh what's really shaped you in terms of um and we don't have to go anything you don't want to go into, but I, I'm really curious what, uh, what in this podcast we talk sometimes seriously about some things that have uh, were catalysts. Sometimes they're negative things or just things that became an incident or any other thing in your life that gave you a new focus that you still pull on as a resource mm-hmm. or remembering something mm-hmm. that came out of it. Was there anything in there that was like... Uh, like defined? trauma or anything like that? Could be drama, could be an experience. Uh, I don't I have no idea. I just think I, um, in the forefront of it all, I was just blessed to be uh, inspired mm-hmm. at all times. Like, I have to do well. Like, I have to. Yeah. Like, it's, it's no option, man. Like, I have to do my best. I have to succeed. Like, I, I, don't, I don't even allow any other thoughts to come into my mind. Yeah. And I've been like that, like that since I was a kid. You can ask anybody who's known me. Yeah. I've always spoke a lot about what it is yeah. I need to do, what it is we need to do, yeah. what it is that needs to be done. Like, and I've been speaking that way since as long as I can remember. I really thank God, man, that a lot of things I've done are the exact same things I said I would do when I was a kid, you know? Right. And me being... You're not just talking. No, not at all. And You're me being committed... Committed to myself, yeah. committed to my vision, committed to my family and the people who care about me and the people who I care about, being committed to doing well, you know. Mm-hmm. It's nothing I can say but just a blessing to have that in my heart. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? To have that in my mind. That's all I can say about yeah. that. You know, I don't, I don't, you can't teach someone that, you know. You can't force someone to embrace Tour. that. Yeah. You know, that it has to be official. It has to be real. Like, mm-hmm. and, I've, and I've always said these certain things I want to do. And I made sure that um, I could do all I could do to make sure I make it happen. So I can't relate to a particular traumatic event or a particular uh, great thing that may have happened. But the feeling I get when I achieve a goal, the feeling I get when I provide an opportunity for someone else to achieve a goal, the feeling I get when I open up the the gap a little bit wider, you know, and we start to diversify and do different things. I just sit back like, yeah, we really made that happen. Yeah. It's a rush. Well, Super Dre was a guest a few episodes ago, and she's your business partner, one of your business partners in the Motu Vijay uh, Sparkling Line, which is going to end up being a whole liquor liquor, liquor category, mm-hmm. liquor brand. But she was speaking specifically to you and Jonathan. It's like, it's scary how fast you guys will move. It isn't. It goes from ideation to execution really quickly. Me and Jonathan stumble on great ideas. I'm yeah. talking about. We could be on the phone talking about anything, and he'll go, "Oh, what you just say? Say that again." And I'll say, "Like, you know what? That's the idea, right? Let's just do that." They get on the computer and trademark the name LLC it, <laughs> and then we start booking flights, and then we, you know what I mean? And then it's like, and then we're doing it that fast, like that fast. But yeah, well, and you're not afraid to fail. So talk about failures. Have you had any like things that you just had to regroup from, whether it be a music style or a product or some category of your entrepreneurship yeah, yeah. that uh, mm-hmm. you had to regroup from? Yeah. And I'm not talking GRUSA. specifically, but yeah, GRUSA it wasn't an overnight success, although it, in, in, in relatively speaking, it was. You know, but we had to we had to get that we had to figure that out and get that together. 
and get infrastructure together. I mean, there's no blueprint for what we're doing. Right. That's another thing. Yeah. And we take a lot of pride in that. I don't know anybody that has a sustainable merchandising brand in the city like we have. Yeah. I don't know anybody that has a liquor company that we know. Like, I mean, there's yeah. the big wigs, but other than that, no right. one else is doing it. Right. So these things are they're not blueprinted. We're just we're, we're going as we you know we making it happen as we go along. But um. As far as any 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 particular like setback, but if you're moving I'm, fast, uh, so my, I just want to throw this back at you too because I think if you're moving fast, you can't really make a, a decision. You're making a lot of little decisions to move everything forward quickly, but mm-hmm. you can't really make one one decision that's so horrible <laughs> that you that will kill the company exactly. or the whole idea. You have you're you're not. Uh, you're moving in a lot of directions. Most of them are going to be positive. Mm-hmm. That anything that isn't effective, they're fast, yeah. but they're calculated. Right. Very, very calculated. Yeah. Uh, a mentor of mine told me when he said, um, "The key to success is speed and accuracy." Yeah. It's not just speed. It's not just accuracy. You got to be both. You have yeah. to be quick and precise. That's the was be that effective. a boxer? Nah, <laughs> it sounds like a boxer. <laughs> but you got you got to have that yeah, mind. You got sure. you got to have an athletic mind when you're yeah. moving in entrepreneurship. Yeah. You have to. But end of the day. Yeah, we have a lot of quick ideas. We have a lot of things, but we execute them. You know, yeah, they're coming to fruition. We're doing it. You know, but um, no particular setback yeah. per se. But I just always, like I said, just to, well, just you to spoke to it. I'm me. not, you know, that's yeah. great. I mean, uh, sometimes it's not, you know, uh, it doesn't matter. You're you're wired to go exactly, and wired to exactly. to keep moving the bar up higher and higher for yourself. Exactly, We're inspired, if you, man. If you're doing that, <clears throat> um. Only more things can happen. Exactly. <clears throat> well, you talked about the end goal because we—I I was asking you during the photo shoot that um, you've done a couple really smart things. One is you—you you own all the masters to your music. Own all my masters. You own all your publishing. Own all my publishing. And so that's a huge job. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. There's no not not splits you have to worry about. It means that Nothing. the. You can be super motivated to be even more successful because you know there aren't people taking a third and a third exactly. and a third exactly. or whatever it is. Yep. But uh, but you also are reinvesting all the time in other startups. Mm-hmm. Uh, amazing, you know the fashion brand, the liquor brand. You're into some other IT stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Or other some tech, yeah. some tech stuff. We have two tech initiatives we're launching. Um, I don't want to announce the one just yet That's because we're putting it together. My point was though that you're rolling like you're you're successful as music as a musician and a rapper and a performer, but you're using that money to a larger goal. You could be temporarily satisfied and take the paycheck and uh, and go live a, a wonderful affluent lifestyle if you choose to. Mm-hmm. But you talk about your larger vision because I was impressed by that. Yeah, um, it's it's never just about the one thing. It's never about being so comfortable that you think just this one thing would be enough to sustain. Mm-hmm. Um, there's opportunities inside of opportunities mm-hmm. all the time, and that's the way I operate most of the time. Um, like the, the ambiance GR uh, cocktail lounge, the kitchen, yeah. we got that coming up uh, into this year. I mean, that's a huge project, you know? Yeah. But, I mean, not only does it take money to make money, but you have to be able to pinpoint and strategize what's going to work, where mm-hmm. should you put things, but... My end, like my end all be all, is to make sure I can set up enough residual situations, enough uh, empowering, you know, mm-hmm. business moves. I could provide a lot of jobs out of a nightclub. I could provide a lot of jobs with a liquor company. I can, mm-hmm. I could do a lot as, as a musician. There's a lot of jobs, and yeah. you know, if I could do things for other people and empower my family and empower my people, mm-hmm. and Ownership is what we talk about all the time. Yeah. I own these things. Like, you know, yeah. nobody can take it from me, you know, except for me. Like, you know what I mean? Right, like, right. You yeah. know what I mean? So, like, as long as I make the right decisions and I'm fair with my partners and we're making, you know, the right. right moves, it's something we can give to our great great grandkids. It's a generational thing. Mm-hmm. Like, like um, people say, you know, hustle for your last name, not your first name. You know what I mean? Right. Like, Legacy, right? Legacy. Yeah. And that's what it's about. So, all the moves I'm making, I, I want to be able to have something that my kids can inherit. Like Tupac said, he said, as a young black person, it's a lot of pressure because most of us, in most situations, we have to create legacies. We have to build empires and build these dynasties mm-hmm. and build these, you know, these concepts and these businesses for our kids to inherit. You know, a lot of people 
from our community that ha- didn't have the advantage just to inherit anything. You know right. what I mean? Exactly. So it falls on our it's generation. All, first generation. First gen- do it. Exactly. Like I mean, I mean you're not I'm, immigrants, but you're like you're sort of like immigrants in the entrepreneurial tech space. Like uh, you're you're on that yeah. that first wave of like the economy and the the democratization of connection through through technology and the internet For and sure. business platforms and social platforms. Sure. You are on that first wave. Exactly. Yeah. Our generation is we're tasked to create these things. Yeah. You know, we didn't we didn't we didn't inherit a lot. You know what I mean? Right. We had to we had to make it. You know, and um yeah, I, I, so I'm definitely just obsessed with that concept. Yeah. So any dollar I make is split up between three or four investments, and then mm-hmm. you save some, and then yeah. you, you know it, it's just yeah, you it's gotta just, have fun too. You gotta have some fun, <laughs> and I do that. <laughs> too much fun sometimes, <laughs> but we do well, that. Good so, because so uh, between fun and investing and saving, and yeah. you know, you well, you're living a full money. life, uh, you know, uh, business wise, um, you know, uh, recreationally wise. It's oh, yeah. good. It's good to take a big bite out of the apple. You That's know? it, and yeah. especially when your businesses align with the lifestyles. Yeah. You know, like me and Jonathan buy champagne all the time. Like, you know, it, it, Instagram and every page almost popping a bottle of champagne. Right. Let's go get our own freaking champagne. You know what right. I mean? Like, yeah. let's not, you know, let's let's stop making someone else money, you know, and start making ourselves some money. You yeah. know, with champagne. Are there business people in the tech space that are like uh, leaders, maybe you don't know them personally, but that are helping to shape some of your thinking? Because technology is changing all the time. Are there For people sure. you, you sort of like are good... You turn it. You tune into their signal. Mm-hmm. I just seen Nas and E Forty both invest in that ring, um, the door, the doorbell thing, and Amazon bought it. Yeah. You know, for, you know, it was like forty million. So it was it was ridiculous. Like, yeah. And, and that and, and they're artists, so I'm really patterning myself after when I see someone coming from the same experiences mm-hmm. I have professionally and personally. Yeah. These guys are from similar communities. These guys have similar opportunities. These guys yeah. have a similar backstory. I yeah. mean, to see artists doing that, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, even what they, what, what Dan Gilbert is doing out in uh, in Detroit, you know, yeah, right. they're bringing Google out there. I mean, it's, it's getting crazy, you yeah. know. So I'm just definitely that inspired. That momentum is there, like it's that chicken or egg thing, you know. Exactly. It's like they'll come. Exactly. If they see other people leading the way. Exactly. And especially being minorities, too. You don't see a lot of African-Americans. You don't see a lot of women. You don't see a lot of, you know, people operating in that space. Yeah. So we're encouraging folks to, you know, to latch on, you know, as soon as possible. Like, yeah. You know, let's, let's find our way. We'll do it now. Well, the ultimate would be like the... Did you watch that Dre, Jimmy Iovine uh, yeah, documentary yeah, about yeah. Beats? And For sure. Even that. That yeah. last drone shot where he's on the yacht. Mm-hmm. And it just keeps going up and up, and that's Dre's life now. Yep. He's got it's like out of two hundred million dollars. <laughs> he's out of here. He's out of here. But yeah, even stuff like that. See, yeah. that's coming from a musical space, and then tapping in some somewhere relative to where you, you know, to where your primary businesses are. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, well, that's cool. So the I gotta ask you about this. Uh, there's a couple things because you rep Gr so hard, even that you made a, a whole themed album in 2018. <laughs> Called yeah. Studio Twenty Eight, uh-huh. and it is a really, uh, really smart, uh, enjoyable album <laughs> because you brought that whole experience that people yeah. had with Studio Twenty Eight, which at the time was uh, the largest, one of the largest multiplexes in the world. It was right? the largest, was it? Yeah, it was oh, the man. largest, man. Yeah, and uh, millions of people used to go watch movies every every year in this space, right. and it was so iconic. And you're the the album cover is is uh, the logo on the building, and it just brought back waves of, of memories of going there. It's nostalgic, yeah. Yeah, but the way that you um, you open the album too with uh, like a movie voice, mm-hmm. you know, like "Welcome to the, yeah. Welcome to Studio Twenty Eight. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's really good. But what was that inspiration that you would central that one idea, <laughs> the catalyst around this theater? Yeah, my man Troy Caesar. He's uh he's the producer. He made the beats on that album. Him and I, we're close friends. We we make music. We hang out. We do different things, and um, we said, "Hey, we're gonna uh, we're gonna make an album. We're gonna make a project." So we just start recording some songs and just you know, loosely putting it together. And I was telling him I want the project to be Grand Rapids based, 
if I wanted to find something really cool to pull it all together, like I was gonna call it Grand Rapids, but that's too broad, you know. Yeah. I said let's let's find something that's um a little narrow. Yeah, a little more narrow. Something that's and something that's gonna warm the hearts of the people too. You know, everybody has a fond yeah. memory of Studio Twenty Eight. Yeah, I don't think anyone. Yeah, I mean, everybody went there. They they think of all the movies they were inspired by there. They yeah. think about you know dates they went on there. Exactly. You know, it was a thing, man. I remember kids bringing their kids bringing there your, later. I, man, I I remember going there. Getting dropped off, you know, <laughs> and then going to, to the see movies. Two, three movies. Two, at two time. three movies, and they getting picked up later. I remember like meeting my first girlfriend there. Yeah. And I mean, you know, stuff like I mean, everybody has a story yeah. of some sort. You know, I remember people getting into fights. It's just crazy. There would be outside. some fights there for sure, and the, <laughs> just random stuff would happen. Depend random on the movie stuff. plan and what you know, like how crowded it was. But there seemed to be yeah, yeah, my friend Jonas. We went there one night. Uh, to watch Belly. I don't know if you've seen Belly. Hype Williams, it's uh, DMX and Nas. And, oh, my gosh. <laughs> we went to go see Belly, and they were talking about not having it to come to Grand Rapids because it was a hip-hop movie, and they didn't want, you know, any any, any intense situations to happen there. So we went in there. We, were, we wasn't even old enough. We snuck in there. <laughs> Had somebody get our tickets snuck in. And sure enough, man, somebody... Started fighting in the movie. They turned the light on. It was like, uh, <laughs> another fond memory of Studio 28, man. <laughs> put it, yeah, sure. put it in the memory bank. Exactly. Sure. But ultimately, though, it's just, again, it's like GRUSA. It's just another thing that we as Grand Rapidians, we can all relate to. Mm-hmm. We all love Studio 28. You know? Yeah. Well, even the the liquor brand Moda VJ is is it's from the city uh, Latin, the... the, the strength and movement. Yeah, strength yeah. and movement. Mm-hmm. And... Do you, how do you view movement in that phrase? Is there, because I sort of envision that when I was thinking of your company, why would you name that? Mm-hmm. It's movement forward. You know, mm-hmm. it's like if you're moving, uh, a lot of opportunities happen. Mm-hmm. The world moves. Yep. Things get going. Like, you know, moving and shaking, like, you know, making yeah. things happen, mm-hmm. being active. That's one. But the other one um, that, I, that I think of, firstly, is just a movement. As far yeah. as an entity, sure, yeah, you know, all that, yeah, like, yeah. like this, this is a thing now, it is a like, yeah, it's a movement, it's like, a, we're gonna, we're gonna create so many opportunities, we're gonna push the culture so, so much further, so much mm-hmm. faster, so much stronger, mm-hmm. like, so this is a movement, like, Motuvija is just one piece of the pie, like, right? There's, there's, there's gonna be multiple businesses we're gonna develop among the ones we have already that will basically push all of us forward, and yeah. again, when you're moving like that. Hence the term movement. It's yeah. a movement. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's brilliant. And it's all, um, I like how it's just so effortlessly intertwined with the DNA of the city, the DNA of the partners that came up through Grand Rapids, mm-hmm. that you're you're appropriating that logo to your own purposes and inspiration, mm-hmm. and then sharing it. Oh, yeah. Like anyone can participate in that feeling of the movement yep. and, the, and the momentum. And the entrepreneurship of it. And it's all lifestyle driven because yeah. even ambiance GR, I mean, it's yeah. full bar, kitchen space. I mean, well, tell us you... a little quickly about that because th- that was an iconic uh, bar space for years. Right. And then I want to talk to you about the, the, you're one of the, how many years has it been since there's been a minority owned uh, club or restaurant downtown Grand Rapids? It's been yeah, about two decades almost. Yeah. It's a yeah. long time. Mm-hmm. Too long. Yeah, too long. But uh, that space used to be called what? what? Rags to Riches. Rags to Riches yeah. again. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's this cool space. It's in the heart of the city. It's near Rosa Park Circle mm-hmm. and the Amway Grand and all that. on Pearl Street. Yeah, yeah on Pearl Fish Street. Sure. And you go underground, and that was Mind where... You cheers a little bit, right? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> and there was always dancing going on in there, and uh, <laughs> just like uh, people getting way too inebriated yep. over the years. But... Um, but everybody's associated with that. It's kind of like Studio 28. Everyone has a story that exactly. used to happen at Rags, and you guys are changing it. I mean, the physical space is changing over, mm-hmm. but there is a, a legacy of entertainment and mm-hmm. uh, fun. <laughs> and Entertainment. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> what kind exactly. of entertainment, I'm not sure. But, uh, <laughs> but certainly, um, it's a well-known piece of real estate downtown. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I just can't wait. I saw a bunch of demo stuff. Uh, you had demolition, yep. and so what's the timeline uh, project goal for uh, you know getting it this year? Off? This year, before the year is out, yeah, where the doors will be open because it looks like a full gut, and uh, it's a full gut. I'm yeah. talking about plumbing, yeah. electrical, build out, bathrooms, floors. It's a full gut, yeah. Right? And then you probably had to do a bunch of beautiful. like uh, 
code upgrades and things for accessibility Absolute. and accessibility. all that stuff. And then the other, the whole side, other, the other whole side of the building's been developed already. Yeah. They kind of like left that space out of the transition for the rest of the building. So, yeah. But it's gonna be beautiful, and we got some blueprints, and um, I seen some ideas as far as the development. We collaborated, you know. So who's all involved with that? It's uh, it's me, Jonathan Jokes, Jamil Robinson, uh, Jamal Chilton. Um, I mean, AJ's in there, uh, Lacey. Uh, oh, Lacey Jones? Yeah, Lacey Jones. Yeah. Um, that's, that's, the, that's, that's the new core group. Yeah, yeah. That's the core group. But we have a lot of partners that we're working with to make it happen, though. Well, that'll be great because then um, I, I just think it's so... That's been a problem downtown for a long time is that... Um, and I think city leaders recognize this, uh, but didn't quite address it properly. But mm-hmm. you, there wasn't a place where uh, they were actively trying to attract minority-owned businesses. Right. And there wasn't, you know, a lot of that happened outside of this business region, hotel region, when it didn't make any sense not to have that. But for whatever reason, I'm so glad you kicked that door down again. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because I think it's going to open up other opportunities for people. And what, I, and what I want to make abundantly clear is this isn't, like, the minority bar downtown. This no. Isn't, this isn't the black bar downtown. I never got that vibe yeah, from it, this ever. Is, this is a mainstream yeah. hub for the entire city to come and have a really great time. Yeah. So, and we're going to represent that in all our marketing. We'll represent that in the events that we have there. Yeah. You know, we want country nights as well as hip-hop nights. You know, we want blues mm-hmm. nights as well as jazz nights. We want... Yeah. Every walk of life, everybody was interested in having a really good, safe time mm-hmm. to come downtown and spend some time with us. What's the food vision yet, or is that still in development? We're still developing. Yeah. It. Still developing. A couple yeah. ideas that I heard, a couple ideas that I presented, but yeah. we're finalizing it now. That's great. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, that'll be great. So you uh, finished high school at Otto Hills. You end up going to where in Clark Atlanta for college? Clark Atlanta, yeah. Clark Atlanta. Yeah. What kind of school is that? I've never heard of it. That's HBCU, Historically Black yeah, College. Yeah. You know Morehouse and Spelman, yeah, those sure. schools? That's the Atlanta University Center. Yeah. So it's Spelman, Morehouse, Clark. At the time, it was Morris Brown. Yeah. And I went to Clark Atlanta. Um, what was that experience? experience? It was good there coming from, a, you had a multicultural school mm-hmm. growing up at, mm-hmm. in Ottawa Hills and other places that you were living in Cantwood. Yeah. What was it like transitioning to an HPC? A blast. Yeah. <laughs> what what sort of rocket fuel did that add to your life when you look back at it now? That experience of being with uh, you know a, at a black college. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. It was it was good to. Uh, I never went to a, a school that like 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 that because like you said, growing up in Grand Rapids, the schools I went to here was diverse, you know. Mm-hmm. But to be around, you know people from my culture just in that in that way was really exciting but I think the best thing about it was that it was far away from home and I was so young mm-hmm. and it gave me an opportunity to just come into myself you know and really develop in that comfort the comfortability of being at a black school you know yeah. what I mean right it was a good time to transition that was a good situation to be in to develop to grow up you know yeah um that's that's the biggest part. When I went down to Atlanta. I, I didn't know anybody. I was by myself. Yeah. Like, no, like nobody was. I didn't have any family down there. I didn't have any friends. It was just me all by myself. So all I had was this backpack of experiences I've been to up to that point. And I'm still yeah. a kid, so it was you know. I was, How long did it take you to feel comfortable when you first moved in? You're at the dorm. It was You're, quick. It was yeah. quick. I, I was, can't <laughs> imagine because you have that same laser focus. Whether it's I'm sure with relationships and friends and finding the way. Yeah, it was that quick, wouldn't man. take you long. I got um I remember we went down. I told my mother I wanted to go to that school when I was like in the eighth grade. And she what said, was yeah. it about that school? Um versus a smellman or anything. Because it was it was Atlanta. Atlanta was doing a lot of things with uh with, with music and everything, but yeah. but there was a movie um School Days that Spike Lee directed. <laughs> yeah. And there was a TV show A Different World yeah. that Bill Cosby was a part of. Yeah. And those schools kind of gave me this vibe. So it was like, I'm going to go to Howard, or I'm going to go to Clark, I'm going to go to one of those kind of yeah. schools. I want to get in that vibe, you know? Right. So I just like I just like Clark because it was in Find Atlanta. Find your own Jasmine? Yeah, you know? <laughs> Find my own Jasmine guy and do my thing. I'm, I'm, that's what, that was my idea. Then right. the plan was to leave school and then go like, be a lawyer or be some marketing 
you know, heavy somewhere. Like, uh, what's the movie, Boomerang, with Eddie Murphy? Yeah. Like, he was in New York doing it, but I was thinking, hey, I can do that in Atlanta. It's a great place for African-Americans. Sure. I had all these yeah. ideas that I, that I would do aside of, you know, aside from music. And it just happened to come together. Everything was clicking, you know. It was, yeah. it was a really good place to be. And I remember getting there, and um, I told my mother want to go, so we went and visited the school, and it was just electric. When, yeah. I, when I got to Atlanta, my first time going to Atlanta, it was you just an electric knew that city. that was where it you had to be. It felt right. Yeah, it felt so right. And yeah. then when I actually went to school, my family dropped me off and they peeled off up the street, and I just remember standing there like I'm really by myself. <laughs> Way out the door. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, okay, <laughs> let's do it. I just yeah. rolled my sleeves up, and you know. Well, I remember it's not the same, but I relate to the experience of dropping my my daughter off. Uh, moving her into her freshman dorm and getting her all situated, you know, mm-hmm. get the bunk beds, beds built and get the tiny fridge in and mm-hmm. and then just leaving. And I remember thinking, I wonder what she's feeling right now. I was excited for her, mm-hmm. but also nervous. Probably all the things she was feeling too, mm-hmm. but you were feeling, it's like, well, I Absolutely. guess I am. It does hit you pretty mm-hmm. hard that mom and dad aren't around. Yep. I'm like, hey, yeah. let's do it. Let's make it happen. Yeah. And, it just, and it's just a... Uh, so what did you end up majoring in? Uh, communications. Nice. Communications. And then I went on to get an MBA in marketing after that. And, um, took you those. have an MBA in marketing? Yes, oh. sir. Mm-hmm. From the same school? Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. That's a incredible. Um, well, it's, it's going to perfect use. Oh, now, yeah. Oh, know, yeah. Cause, uh, I did undergrad, then we did music, and then we launched these businesses. And I was telling Jonathan the whole time, I said, hey, you know, I'm going to legitimize it to myself mm-hmm. by going back to school and getting my master's and figuring this out. You know? So how did you and Jonathan Jelks become, where did you meet and, and how did you know that you guys could, uh, when did you know that you could probably merge these business interests and, and be inspired by one another and, and, and lock it down? Because it seems like you two are the linchpin to everything. Mm-hmm. He's a, um, when I was first started doing music, I first got my record deal and I was coming back home, I was trying to make sure I kept a connection with the local talent here, particularly my friends, and empower them and give them opportunities through my opportunity. And he was a young guy I'd, I'd never seen before in my life. First time I met him, he, 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 first time I remember meeting him, let's just say, he saw me in the studio trying to get some beats and produce these records, and he said, hey, how can I help? And he's probably to this day the only person that's ever asked me, how can I help, you right. know? Was, that was a that was a magic phrase. It kind of like it pierced the room when he said that. Huh. I said, "Who are you again? <laughs> like, who's this guy? <laughs> what? How can you help? Please, yeah." So I told him what I needed, and he shout out came right back. He brought all this music back, and I was looking for beats, and he came back with all these beats. And I said, "Who is this guy? Who, where, where, who sent you, man?" <laughs> like, right, right. Up to that point, no one has ever asked me, "How can I help you?" Right, and I've and I've toured the world and put out music and did all kinds of things as an artist, aside from all these businesses. But even through the path, no one has ever contri- asked me how can they can contribute to where I'm going. Right, and when he said that, from that moment on, he was always just connected with me. Like, hey, I see what you're doing. Let's add this to it. Hey, I want to offer this to what you're doing. How, you know, let's yeah. do that. You should maximize it like this. He became a, a, a strategist. For me, yeah, and it was making sense. To making you. it was yeah. making complete sense, yeah. and we had so he knew much he was going smart, on. And he knew he had uh, his his he had his he, hooks he, into this city too right. in a unique way. Yeah, so I don't have to be here right physically all the no, time. No, he's that dude is networked like crazy, crazy. So and, he uh, he told me, hey, we're gonna I want to do this, I want to do that. I'm like some things I didn't think of before, some things I did think of before, some things I'm bringing to him. He's like, hmm. Let's add a little bit of this to that. Like he's yeah. the only person I can really bounce so how long ideas is you, off. Of how long since you first met John? How long have you known him now? Uh, I've known Jonathan probably so about fifteen years now. Oh, something it's like been that. a while. Yeah, it's yeah. been a while. Yeah, it's been a while. So yeah, just taking these ideas and and growing them into more ideas and newer ideas. And well, I think it's rare when people can be in that type of business relationship where you're the creative. Uh, face, you're out in front, but you still have somebody who's uh, not threatened by that success, is actually part of that success. Exactly. Integral, but doesn't mind being kind of uh, back behind the curtain pulling all the strings or contributing 
in your mind, mm-hmm. you know, a lot to the success exactly. of everything that you're so doing. So much so that he eventually, you know, came down to Atlanta regularly. And he saw the full operation we had down there, you yeah. know. And, and he learned a lot through, through myself and my partners down there sure. about the music business. And he took all those ideas and ethos and he brought them up here and he implemented them in other ways, politics, business, for the city. Yeah. So he became like... Um, like a product of all of the things that he was exposed to, you know, from my from my experiences and his own experiences. But one thing about him, he always took those experiences and poured them back into what we needed to do. You right. Know? And that's what you're seeing right now. You know? Yeah. Well, it's caught wildfire for sure. Oh, yeah. I want to close this other loop, too, because Jonathan's father is professional, uh, Professor Jelks, mm-hmm. well-known uh, academic professor. And you're involved with your executive producing, is that right? Or you're producing mm-hmm. the um, this documentary mm-hmm. for PBS. Uh, what's the name of the docu series again? Uh, American Masters. American series. Masters, doc, which mm-hmm. is like the premier documentary series that PBS mm-hmm. puts out. And tell us about the subject. It's Langston Hughes, but tell everybody why uh, Langston Hughes is the subject of this. Uh, just tee up who he is in American history. For sure. It's called I Too Sing America, Langston Hughes Unfurled. Um, Langston Hughes was one of the leaders of the Harlem Renaissance, so for black arts. Um, he was a writer and a novelist and a storyteller and a poet, of course. Um, he lended a voice to the African-American experience during that time, and he became one of the first people from that experience to actually make money from his art. So it became more than expression. It became, you know, this place of relevancy in not only our culture, but in American culture. And his stories, I was just telling Dr. Justice the other day, I'm surprised the story hasn't been told before. People right. within the culture may know about it, but outside of the culture, there's been no, main, no super mainstream looks to tell his story and tell his experience. But he essentially uh, just, he, he drove the energy of the Hall of Renaissance. He drove the energy of poetic expression for black people and for American people as a mm-hmm. whole. I mean, he globally, you know, this, this is globally, like, you know. So his work is still, uh, is relevant today. Mm-hmm. His work shaped, is shaped and molded the way we still do art to this day. Yeah. And um, he just, he, he, his story is well-deserved to be told. Yeah. yeah. We have to tell his story. Well, I can't wait to see that documentary, especially knowing that you're producing it. Uh, Dr. Jelks is, is he writing some of it or writing He's, he's chief executive. He's the producer. chief. He's, he's the, the man. top dog. He's the main top dog. But he brought on uh, Kevin Wilmot. Yeah. Uh, Academy Award winning. Documentary director. Right. He's yeah. going to direct it. So it's, it's going to be a real big deal for us. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Well, I want to be conscious of your time. Oh, we, I, we've covered so much ground. <laughs> I wonder, um, I want to make sure I got my notes up. Sure. And we covered everything pretty much. <laughs> we yeah. ripped, ripped right through it. Um, tell me a little bit more about your touring and stuff. I know you were over in Europe doing yep. some dates over there. Just in Holland. I knocked out a few dates over there. Yeah. Rotterdam, Amsterdam, The Hague. Um, just spot dates. You know. What do you find about the crowds there? What kind of were they festivals, outdoor mm-hmm. stuff? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Outdoor stuff. And then indoor and outdoor, but festival stuff. <clears throat> and then, so is that part of a tour that you were initiating or that they put, you know, the festivals are going and you're just invited and mm-hmm. put on as, a, as an act that, that for most, that festival? Most people reach out, promoters, yeah. they yeah. reach out and they'll say, hey, you know. Well, it's get... hard to get a festival going in Holland by yourself, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> right, right. So it's nice to just come over and get paid exactly, and to do Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And let them foot the bill. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but no, he's, people reach out, promoters, they reach out most times and say, hey, you know, we want to get really the kid to come out and perform at this event or this yeah. club or this place or this... You know, whatever, let's make it happen, and then, you know, we get a contract written up, and mm-hmm. I'm there. So you're living between Grand Rapids and Atlanta, but you're you're in Atlanta. What percentage of the year are you thinking down there? Recently, man, it's been, it's been getting real 50-50-ish. <laughs> well, that's good. You got <laughs> a, lot a lot of business up here, Got man. a lot of irons yeah. in the fire up exactly. here, Exactly. Sure. It's, it's getting it's real 50-50-ish right now. Well, it's an easy, yeah. quick flight. Oh, Fly yeah. in on Delta on the nonstop? Usually? Delta on the nonstop, 90, 92 minutes. Yeah. And I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And Delta's a hub, and it's the hub is in Atlanta, yeah, so there's plenty to. of flights flying out of Atlanta. Well, you can go on. What I like about what you can't do in Grand Rapids is you're a nonstop flight anywhere in the world almost you want to go from Atlanta. Exactly. Pretty much. It's the busiest airport in the world, they say. Yeah. 
So I get on the flight, 92 minutes, I'm in Grand Rapids. So yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yep. That's awesome. Yep. Well, yeah. Absolutely. Well, uh, thanks for doing I think we shot some good portraits. This has been good. I'm them. so grateful that we connected just uh, quickly, just on Friday. And it's as we're taping now, we're doing this on a, on a Sunday Sunday night. See how fast the idea is coming to fruition? Well, and I thought I better jump on this right now. <laughs> <laughs> because I, who knows when, when you, I might crack a, a small little window of your time out again. Yeah, yeah. But, um, it's fine. It's good to be here. But... Uh, but I'm I'm impressed, very very impressed. I need you to know that I'm very impressed with the entrepreneurial organization that you have, how you've diversified through different partnerships and different projects. So it seems to me that uh, I'm just excited for you guys because it. thank you. Um, and however we can amplify uh, this through this interview and out to help people understand and awareness of the fashion brand, the, the sparkling champagne. And the uh, GR ambience coming up, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's exciting because yeah. these are all game changers. Yeah, for sure. So, and it's Absolutely. all fun businesses. It's super fun. And yeah. it's things that, we, again, it's for the community. Yeah. It's not something that we we just take and we, ha, ha, we, you know, right. we're kicking butt out here. No, it's something that is enriching our community. It's, it's, it's making the city. You know, yeah. light up. Well, you told you know. me during the shoot, you didn't say it again, but exactly, but you were like, I want to help a lot of people and I want to retire early. That's it. That's it. That's exactly and what that's I want to do. <laughs> and that's, you know, if you're helping lots of people, they actually end up turning around and helping you achieve the other goal, exactly. which is uh, success enough that you don't, uh, you know, you can retire. Yep. I don't think you'll ever I, yeah, retire, Yeah, I don't though. think so either. Just, it's too it, fun, it's right? It's way too fun, man. Why would I stop, right? Yeah. <laughs> Why would I stop? All right. Thanks, Will. Appreciate Absolutely. it. Hey, that was a great conversation with Willie the Kid. I really, truly enjoyed it. I feel like he's a friend now. I feel like uh, he's somebody that uh, I, I, I'll reach out to because if I have a question about business, entrepreneurship, how he does things, the guy's an open book. I just love how honest he is. I admire his hustle. I love that quick, easy laugh that he has. I love that guy's laugh. I could just like just try to drop jokes on him occasionally just so I could hear that laugh once in a while. It's a, it's a soothing, fun, contagious laugh. And the last thing, I just want to underscore how important it is that, that uh, Willie the Kid is one of the producers, executive producers, or, or I'm not sure it's the exact role, in this American Masters documentary that's going to be coming out on PBS about the artist Langston Hughes. And I just, that needs to be underscored. This guy is helping to put out a historical documentary on one of the best platforms documentaries have ever seen in television, which is the American Master Series on PBS. So hats off to you, Willie. And um, I hope all of you have a great week. Check out fullexposurepodcast.com for more information, more background on Willie. And check out some of our other past episodes if this is your first one. Or you just need to get caught up because you know what? You need to get caught up, people. It's a life's race. You're behind. And I know you feel guilty about not catching up on every single Full Exposure episode, right? Okay, not really. But anyway, let's put that pressure on us. And let's get caught up and uh, let me know how you're doing. Hey, man, go out there. Have a great week. Go get it, everybody. This Full Exposure podcast episode has been made possible through the support of Metro Health, University of Michigan Health, and Dr. Peter Hahn, who believe that creativity and the arts are essential to a rich, healthy, and fulfilling life.